This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and truth according to the New Testament. We would love for you to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Thankful for the congregation here, for your hospitality and, and, and giving us this opportunity to be together. It's, it's been a blessing to me and a blessing to my family, those of us from the Wheeler Avenue congregation in Fort Smith. It's, it's been a great opportunity for us, and I want to, I want to thank you uh, for that. And we want to give you an opportunity while I'm up here, April the 24th through the 26th. We'll be hosting a weekend meeting with Brother Benoit from Houston, Texas. And so mark that in your calendar and would come for... Love for you to come and be with us on that occasion and, uh, and give us uh, the encouragement of your presence. And uh, also want to thank these young people for the service that they've given uh, during the meals and just seeing them very busy. Y'all are uh, an impressive group of young people and we want to thank you and thank your parents for, uh, for the job that y'all do. This afternoon for a little while I want us to consider the subject of exercise yourself toward godliness. And before the lesson, before we got started today, I got up here and kind of snooped through James's lesson from this morning. It was still up on the computer. Now, I don't make a habit of snooping through people's open computers, but uh, I figured it was there for public consumption. And uh, looked through it and uh, wish I could have been here to hear the message. And, uh, and looked through it and see if there was any overlap. And I don't think there'll be a whole lot of overlap. So hopefully this afternoon's lesson will be something that'll be complimentary because we are running a race. And to run a race, you need to exercise. And you need to prepare yourself. And you need to train. And so that's what we want to talk about a little while this afternoon. I gave this lesson back home at the beginning of the year, the time that we're all making New Year's resolutions and looking at some research on the internet, one of the number one New Year's resolutions that people make is to exercise. And I even found one website that broke it down state by state. And in the state of Arkansas, I don't know how they figured this out, but anyway, in the state of Arkansas, the number one New Year's resolution is to exercise. Uh, how many of us are still exercising? Okay, okay we got one up here. <laughs> And in Oklahoma, and so, and so we see the need for physical exercise because we're really in tune with, with ourselves physically. And we, we feel when maybe we're gaining weight. We feel when we're getting a little short of breath. We feel whenever we are maybe losing some flexibility or having a hard time um, executing physical things. And so we're aware of the need to exercise. But sometimes we're not as attuned spiritually as we need to be. And we don't really see the need to exercise ourselves spiritually or as the Apostle Paul says, towards godliness. And that's what we want to talk about this afternoon is to highlight the importance of exercising ourselves toward godliness and truly understanding what it means to exercise. Because if you say exercise to a lot of people, it means different things to different people. And so we want to try to understand what the Bible teaches us about how it is that we are to exercise. Our text is going to come from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 to 10, where Paul is writing to a young man, a man that was in training, a man that was protege, a protege of Paul and that Paul was implementing in his ministry and was sending Timothy out. And he, Paul knew the challenges that Timothy was going to face and he knew the challenges that he had faced. And so in order for Timothy to meet those challenges as a mature Christian, it was going to be necessary for him to exercise. 
And so Paul says, but reject profane and old wives' tales and exercise yourself toward godliness. But bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having the promise of life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. Now we're going to spend the majority of our time dealing with just those four verses and then we're going to look at another text in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. But I think that whenever we break these, this text down and we look at the definitions of the words and they give to us a very clear picture of what it means to exercise ourselves towards godliness. The first thing that I want us to notice is that before Paul gives Timothy the admonition to exercise, he tells him first of all that he needs to reject. He says that you need to reject profane and old wives' tales and exercise yourself towards godliness. So in other words, Timothy, don't get caught up into stuff that's really no profit to you. You need to know what to reject. You need to know what not to get yourself involved in because it's of no profit to you. And here's the thing, generally if things aren't of any profit, what actually happens is that they impede us and they inhibit us in some way. Very few things in life are totally neutral. It's either going to make you better or it's going to make you worse. And so we have to have the understanding of what's going to make us better, that's going to make us more faithful and make us more godly, and what's going to inhibit that. And so in this instance, Paul says to reject old wives' fables and profane and old wives' fables. I'll get it out in a minute. The word reject means to beg off, to shun, or to avoid. In other words, avoid these things. And a lot of times before we enter into an exercise program, and I'll, I'll just tell you up front, we're going to use a lot of sporting analogies. Some people don't like sporting analogies, but Paul uses a lot of sporting analogies. Now, I don't agree with these shirts that say basketball is life. No, it's not life. No game is life. But these games can teach us a little bit about life. And nearly in every culture, any, any advanced culture, sports and athletics is an integral part of, that, of, of the existence of that culture. And there's things that can be learned from it. And Paul, is, he implements those types of analogies and those figures in his talks. And so before we begin to exercise, one of the first things that we need to do is ask ourselves, okay, what do I need to reject? What do I need to give up that's going to impede the progress that I want to try to make when I exercise? You know, if I want to exercise and I want to get more fit and I want to get uh, more capable of doing athletic things, I've got to give up the Oreos. I've got to give up the donuts. Can't drink all those Cokes. Can't have all those late night bowls of ice cream. You've got to give those up. And the reason that some people don't train, they just don't want to give those up. <laughs> you just don't want to give them up. And that's the sad reality. I don't want to give up those things. You know, and then there's some that we try to compensate. Well, I'm going to exercise more so I can eat more of those things. It doesn't work that way. We have to identify the things that we need to reject in life that's going to take away from our progress towards godliness and faithfulness in the Lord. Well, here Paul mentions specifically wives' fables. 
I don't think any of us maybe are involved in that, but think of things in your life and in my life that, okay, if I want to become a more godly person, these are some things I've got to reject. Maybe there's some relationships that you need to reject. Maybe there's some hobbies, some aspects of your lifestyle that you need to reject. And understand that those things are going to be counterproductive to what I want to accomplish when I exercise. And so if we have an aspiration to advance in faith, to advance in godliness, it begins with a sober look at our life and asking the hard questions, what am I going to have to give up? What am I going to have to give up? What are those things that are going to hinder me from my advance. And so before we begin our exercise towards godliness, we must identify what must be avoided to accomplish our goal. So to grow in our faith and to grow in our godliness, if that's an aspiration that you have today, and it's an aspiration that we should have every day, the first thing that we need to look at is, what do I need to reject? What do I need to give up? What's holding me back? And the next thing that Paul says is to exercise ourselves toward godliness. So now we've identified what we need to reject, and now we're going to look at exercising. What does it mean to you to exercise? It means different things to different people. You know, some people, you see the guys that exercise, and, you know, they have on the, uh, the, the fleece warm ups, and they got the headband, and they look real serious, and got the Converse shoes on, and we're out in the driveway, and we're doing jumping jacks. That's exercise. Okay, well, that's exercise. But then you have the professional athletes who make millions and millions of dollars doing what they do. They don't go to Walmart and buy warm ups and go out in the driveway and do jumping jacks, do they? They invest. They invest in equipment. They invest in a trainer. They invest their time and their effort and exercise probably beyond anything that you and I could ever imagine. You know, sometimes we look at these world-class athletes and we think, well, it's just so easy for them. No, it's not. It's not. You know, we see them on TV when they do the great things and they get all of the accolades, but what we don't see is whenever they're out sweating and they're hurting, and they're mentally just pushing themselves one more time, one more time. We don't see that great basketball player in a gym all by himself at midnight just shooting over and over and over again. It doesn't come easy to them. Yeah, they're gifted. They're gifted. But they still have to work. And that's the type of training that the Apostle Paul is talking about here. The word that he uses comes from the Greek word where we get our word gymnasium. Gymnazo. And it means to exercise in a palestra. And a palestra was a school in ancient Greece or Rome for sports, such as wrestling, where these guys would go to train. Now, if you go to a school for wrestling, that tells me you're a serious wrestler, aren't you? You know, around the country today, you see a lot of these sporting academies that are popping up where parents that have aspirations of their children being great athletes someday, they'll send these kids to these academies. And that shows that there's a seriousness about their intent. Well, this is the type of exercising that we're talking about. It's an exercise that is an exercise that manifests a commitment to accomplishing a physical goal. I want to be a wrestler. 
So that whenever I look across and I see a guy across the mat from me, when I'm looking at him in the eye, I want to be absolutely sure that I'm stronger than him and I can defeat him. You know, sometimes we say, well, I want to, I want to get in shape. Well, what do you want to get in shape for? I mean, I'm in shape. I can get from the recliner to the refrigerator and back to the recliner and not lose my breath. I'm in shape for that. And so whenever we say, I want to be in shape, the question is, what do you want to be in shape for? And that's like, well, I want to be more godly. Well, okay, what do you want to be more godly for? Well, I want to have more faith. Well, that's great. What do you want to have more faith for? What is the goal? We have to have goal-oriented faith. And quit, have, and quit working in broad generalities and identify aspects and areas of our life where we know I need to be stronger. And focus on those and train in a serious way in order to be ready for whatever challenge might be in front of us. And so whenever Paul says exercise, he means to train vigorously and intently for competition. That's the type of exercise that he's talking about. Not we get in work and we jog around the block. Or we get up early in the morning and we do some stretches and we do some... And all of those things are fine. And I'm not making light of that. But I'm just saying that that's not the intensity that Paul is alluding to here. Paul is alluding to a serious athlete. A person that is going whoops, to compete. And that's the thing. When I look at my godliness... And my faith, and you look at your godliness and your faith, do you think about the challenges that are out there? That one day, just like that, we could be facing? It scares me. When I consider my own faith, that when those things happen in my life, and I say when, not if, because they're going to happen, that I'm not ready in my faith. That scares me. That when I face those challenges, that I want to be prepared. And maybe I get that call that every parent hates to get, dreads to get. Or we get that diagnosis from the doctor. Or we get that financial statement that says everything that you've worked for all of your life is now gone. Am I ready for that? Yeah, I've got enough faith to go to church. I've got enough faith to read my Bible and I've got enough faith to pray and I've got enough faith maybe to hand out a few flyers and I've got enough faith to go to a meeting and, you know, and I've got enough faith to take some things to a potluck. But that faith is going to be insufficient when my Job moment comes or your Job moment comes. And we don't like to think about those things. But those things are real. And those things happen every day. And just because we're Christians does not mean that we're immune to those things. I think that God takes care of His people. And one of the th ways that He takes care of His people is supplying us with the faith that we need to endure those situations. Not just steer us around those situations. And so everything's good with me today. And I'm guessing for the most part everything is good with you today. And our faith is able to sustain us this day. But when that darkest day comes, will your faith be ready? Will my faith be ready? 
Will I be dependent upon the Lord in those circumstances? You know, we look at our culture and we see the tide changing in our culture where opposition to the Christian faith is growing. And I wonder, you know, as an elder, am I ready for the day to be, to be speaking in a pulpit against something that's not accepted in the culture anymore? And am I ready for somebody to come in and grab me and take me out of the building and take me and put me in prison? And you're thinking, boy, you think some depressive thoughts. But those are real things to think about. I want to be prepared for those days. And if those days don't come, hey, that's great. <laughs> That's great. But if they do come, I want to be ready. And so whenever we're exercising, it's not just a matter of I just want to exercise to get in shape, I want my faith to grow, I want to be God. What specific challenges do you see that, hey, when those things come, I want to be ready? And you have to train accordingly. You have to train accordingly. Because every training plan, every exercise plan is geared towards the challenge that you're wanting to meet. If I'm a basketball player and I train as a football player, I'm not going to be an effective basketball player. If I'm a distance runner, but I train as a sprinter, I'm not going to be a very good distance runner, am I? I've got to know what the competition is. I've got to know what the challenge is that's out there and prepare myself accordingly. And as we talked about yesterday concerning being a disciple, I want to be ready that if the day comes that I have to die for the Lord, I will do it. I will do it. <clears throat> to have a faith that's stronger than death. The next thing that Paul says is towards. The word towards means forward to or in the direction of. And again, our exercise must be intentional, purposeful, and goal-oriented. Why do you read your Bible? What you're supposed to do. That's what Christians do. We read our Bible. No, why do you read your Bible? Do you read it just to check it off as, okay, I've done it? Or do you read it intentional to gain wisdom and knowledge and understanding about challenges that you might be facing? And so we want to be, again, intentional, purposeful, and goal-oriented. As Paul says, to exercise ourselves to godliness. What does it mean to be godly? The word godly, when you look it up, you'll see a lot of words like this. Reverence, respect, Piety towards God. The word piety means marked by or showing reverence for deity and devotion to divine worship. When I think about godliness, I think about having that respect and having that reverence for God, having that piety towards God that I live every aspect of my life out with a sense of duty, loyalty, and respect for God. A sense of duty, a sense of loyalty, and a sense of respect for God. That in everything I do, and this requires the development of faith and a close dependency upon God. You know, I can stand here today and say, God is with you in every trial that you go through. But am I going to believe that when I'm in the midst of that darkest day of my life? Have I developed that piety and that respect and that loyalty towards God that I know that He's here today when things are just great and I know that He's going to be there in my darkest day? Do I have that sense? 
I need to exercise towards that. You need to exercise towards that. The next thing that Paul says is that godliness is profitable. The word profitable means helpful or serviceable. Advantageous. You know, it's very helpful. It's very serviceable. It's very advantageous to have a godly attitude in the midst of trial and difficulty. Godliness gives us a great advantage during those times. You know, and there, there's some people that I've, I've been around in their darkest times and I look at their faith and, and I just marvel at it. How that their faith is upheld. And they're strong in that moment because they have that godliness. And it helps them to get through something that without that faith, no human possible could get through. But you see, the time to have that is before that moment ever comes in order for it to be profitable. I used to be a basketball coach. And I'd always preach to the girls, you know, you've got to work on your own. You've got to shoot on your own. You've got to run on your own. You know, you, you, we can only do so much, but you've got to do a lot on your own, you know. And they <laughs> didn't do a whole lot of it. That's why I'm a retired coach now. <laughs> But we go out and we get beat two or three games and get our teeth kicked in. And all of a sudden, they want me to come down on Sunday nights on my time and open up the gym so they can come in and shoot. Well, you know what? It's too late. It's too late. Because the time when you should have been preparing for that, you didn't. And so now we want to try to compensate. And, you know, it's too late. And that's the way it is with our faith and with godliness. We don't want to wait till the challenging times come to decide all of a sudden, oh, I want to get in shape. No, that's not the time. The time is now. And to recognize that this world that we live in, God has been very upfront with us. Jesus has been very upfront with us about this world. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have tribulation. This world is your enemy. He's been very upfront with us. And you know, and we've been insulated in, in, in our world and in our country and in our culture to where sometimes I don't think we fully understand the way the world really is and how vicious the world can be. Now, as Peter says, that Satan walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Well, if he's walking about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, then I want to train as somebody that's going to have to meet a roaring lion someday. And not just a little old tomcat. That's the seriousness. That's the gravity of it. It's not a faith in a godliness that practices religion, but it's a faith in a godliness that will allow us to stand up to the biggest challenges that this world can bring to us. So to exercise effectively in anything, we must believe that what we do gives us an advantage and advances us toward our goal. And in order to be able to live in this world, to have an advantage in this world as difficult and mean, as cruel as this world can be, 
then I need to trust that godliness will give me that advantage. And so every day I want to cultivate godliness and exercise godliness in my life because he says it has the promise of life that is now and the promise of that which is to come. You know, sometimes we can see the part of that which is to come really clearly. You know, the Lord's going to come back and He's going to judge us and then godliness is going to be to our advantage to enter into heaven. But what about today? And as we said yesterday, you know, sometimes those, those, uh, those, those entrances into eternity, whether it be heaven or hell, they seem so distant to us that maybe sometimes where we are right now, we don't feel any immediacy. We don't feel any urgency. Because that just seems so far away. And so Paul says, it's not a matter of just that which is so far away. It's a matter of right now. If I want my family to be a spiritual family and a whole family, I need to exercise myself to godliness right now. If I want my congregation to be a strong congregation and a sustaining congregation, then I need to exercise myself to godliness right now. If I want to have a sound mind, if I want to be able to live in this world and meet the challenges of this world right now, then I need to exercise myself to godliness. So it's not about way out there. What do we do whenever we get a big assignment and then the instructor says, but it's not due for three months. And we, oh, okay. I got this. <laughs> I got this. Then they give you a big assignment and then they tell you it's due tomorrow. Our due date is always today. Because the world never stops challenging us. The challenges come in different ways and in different forms to different degrees. But it never stops challenging us. And if we want to have an advantage whenever we meet those challenges, we need to exercise ourselves to godliness. And so Paul says to Timothy, This is a faithful saying and worthy all, all acceptance. For this end we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. Paul understood how hard the world was to live in. He understood the challenges of the world because he faced challenges every day. Paul knew that there was never a day that he could take off. Paul knew there was never a day that he could just sit back and go, okay, he couldn't do that. And so he says, because of the promise of godliness, this is why we labor and we suffer reproach every day. You know, you look at some people and they're training and they're exercising and you wonder, why do you do that? <laughs> why do you do that? I mean, it's 110 outside and you see people running on black asphalt in the middle of the day. And you think, why do you do that? Or it's raining and sleeting and snowing outside and you see people bundled up out running. And why do you do that? Because they believe it's necessary. And so Paul suffered reproach. He labored. He exercised himself toward godliness because he believed it was necessary. In 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 to 27, Paul says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. Thus, therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it in subjection, lest when I preach to others I myself should become disqualified. 
Here in this athletic illustration that Paul uses, he says that we are to run in such a way to obtain the prize. The word obtain means to lay hold of so as to make one's own. Now sometimes I think that whenever we look at salvation and we know that salvation is a gift, maybe sometimes our misunderstanding of what a gift is leads to passivity. It's a gift. I don't have to do anything. No, that's not it. It's a gift, but then you have to take that gift and use that gift to serve the Lord and to run the race as James talked about this morning. And he says to run in such a way that you may lay hold on it and make it your very own. Now when we lay hold on it and make it our very own and we run with that intention, that doesn't mean that we're earning it. But that is to typify the type of activity that we are to use in our Christian life. That we're not passive, but rather that we're very active and that we're very purposeful. We're to live like an athlete. We're to know the prize and are intentional and purposeful in making it our own. And those are two words that, we've, that I've used a lot this weekend. It's purposeful and intentional because sometimes I lose my sense of purpose. And I lose my sense of intention. And I just go through the motion just to do because that's what I'm supposed to do. And whenever we lose that sense of purpose and we lose that sense of intention, then all of our activity and all of our works that we do for the Lord because of His grace in our life simply become empty and hollow. But if I do it and I understand the purpose and the intent, there's a prize out there. There's a prize before us. And Paul says, run so that you can lay hold on to it. Just think of a little kid. You've got a little kid and you put something over there that that child really, really wants and you say, go get it. What do they do? Oh, they just run with their arms outstretched because they're running for it and they want it. And that's the way that Paul says that we are to run our race. In verse 25, he talks about the crown. Our crown is an incorruptible crown. Our crown is an imperishable crown. In verse 26, then he says, I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight not as one who beats the air. Paul lived intentionally and purposefully. All the time he ran, he knew what the prize was. All the time he fought, he knew who the enemy was. Never lose sight of what the prize is and who the, competitor, the competition is. Because if we take for granted the prize and we take for granted the competition, then we'll become apathetic and we won't strengthen ourselves, we won't exercise ourselves to godliness, and then one day the competitor will seize us. And so Paul says, when I do my things, when I'm running, I don't just run to say I run. But I run with certainty. I know why I'm doing it, and I know why it's necessary. And I'm not as one that just beats the air. I don't go, you know, just wailing my arms. But I know the enemy, and I'm purposeful and intentional in my approach to the enemy. He says, But I discipline my body. 
The word discipline that he uses here literally means to hit under the eye. It comes from a Greek word that literally means just take your fist and just give somebody a shiner. And Paul says, that's what I've got to do to my own body. Now why would somebody want to just double up their fist and hit somebody in the eye? Well, to subdue them because they know that if I don't hit them first, what are they going to do? They're going to hit me. And so that's the way it is with our body. And here I think he's speaking of body, his total self. That he disciplined himself, that he kept himself subdued. That he was temperate and had self-control. And temperance and self-control is not an easy exercise. And we don't need to live with the illusion that exercising towards godliness is an easy thing. You know, again, I, I feel that sometimes when we look at Christianity, we think, well, it should be easy if you're doing it right. Did Paul do it right? Yeah, he did it right. Was it easy for Paul? No, it was hard for Paul. It was messy for Paul. But he did it right. You know, and, and this idea that, well, if you've got enough faith and you're in the Spirit, then everything is just going to just flow so smoothly. No, Paul's saying every day, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting. I'm fighting. And we've got to realize the intensity of his message here. And the reason that Paul talked with such intensity is because he served with such intensity in a world that was intense towards him. As we said yesterday, in our world we're comfortable. Why do we have to do that? I mean, look. Look. Well, because one day it's not always going to be like this. It's not always going to be like this. And I want to have the faith that I'm going to be able to stand in that day. And I want to make sure that I'm not disqualified. And you want to make sure that you're not disqualified. The word disqualified means to be unapproved or rejected. <clears throat> you mean Paul was concerned with being unapproved or rejected? Yeah, he said, even while I'm ministering to others, I myself could become a castaway. And he went, well, Paul was paranoid. That he thought that even while he was out serving others and preaching the gospel to other people, that he himself could become a reject. Who would think that? A man that's serious about serving God. A man that's serious about living in this world. That even when he was serving others, he was concerned about the condition of his own self and he did not want to become a reject. You see, Paul knew that exercise was imperative because without it, he would become unapproved or rejected. What happens when you quit exercising? You know, what happens whenever you quit conditioning? You lose what you gained. You lose what you gained. I mean, that's just a physiological fact. That if I'm exercising this arm, it's going to get stronger, it's going to get stronger, but then if I quit using it, what's going to happen? 
it's going to begin what? Getting weaker, weaker, and weaker. It doesn't get to a point and then I quit exercising and then it stays there. No, it gets to that point and I quit exercising. What happens? It begins to become weaker. And so Paul knew that even when I'm preaching to others, I still have to keep exercising myself. I still have to keep nourishing myself. I still have to keep exercising myself unto godliness. That was the urgency and the intensity that Paul had in his life. That's the urgency and the intensity that he was telling Peter to have. That's the urgency and the intensity that he's telling us to have today. Whenever we exercise in closing, we can only take ourselves so far. And we have to enlist the help of other people. You know, I look at areas in my life, you might look at areas in your life where you struggle and you've worked on it and you feel like you've exercised yourself, that you've prayed, that you've studied, that you've fasted, you've done everything that you know to do, but you can only get to a certain point. You know, there comes a time when maybe we need to enlist the help of someone else to get us beyond where we need to be. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. How many times have you gone out to exercise and get in shape and you get disappointed? <laughs> okay. We can all relate to that. Some of us may be more than others. Proverbs 28 or 20 and 18, every purpose is established by counsel and with good advice make war. You know, Jesus, God, did not create us to live as an island. He created us to live within a community where together we can all be better and stronger and more faithful than we would be by ourselves. That's why you see a lot of exercise and uh, training uh, Programs They involve a coach or they involve a group. Because we know that if I have a coach or if I have a group, I have people there that are going to take me further than I can take myself. You know, the greatest golfer in the world, or used to be Tiger Woods. I wouldn't use him as an example for too many things, but I'll use him for this example. He has a coach. Why in the world would Tiger Woods need a coach? He's the greatest golfer in the world, or he was at one time. Why would he need a coach? Because he's smart enough to know. I can only take myself so far. I can only look at myself so much. I need someone that's going to be there that's going to help take me further than I can take myself. And so if you're fighting a battle in your life, if you're going through a struggle in your life and you feel like, I've done all I can and I just can't get any further. No, you haven't done all you can. Because the next thing you can do is say, hey brother, will you help me? Church, will you help me? The word counsel means a crowd. A company of persons in close deliberation to sit down together and to consult. Somebody that can be there for you. 
No, because if I'm to a point that I can't go beyond, what I need to do is find someone that is where I want to be. Counsel me. Advise me. Help me. Bring me to where I need to be. So that my plan can be established. And the word established there literally in the ends means accomplished. Accomplished. You know, there are things we can't or won't do by ourselves. But we can or would do with other people. I like an illustration in my life, if you'll indulge me a moment, is, is flying. <clears throat> I remember whenever I was a school teacher, my principal told me that I was going to go to Chicago for a math conference. Oh, great, I'm going to go to Chicago. And, uh, you know, excited about that. And, uh, you know, and then he tells me, you know, we're all going to fly. Well, no, no, <laughs> this guy's not going to fly. And so, you know, I, uh, I could see an airplane going across the sky and I'd have a panic attack just thinking about being in that little aluminum tube going across the sky. No, I'm not flying. I didn't tell him that. And so I left and I went back a few days and I'd already mapped out the plan. I, you know, this was back before GPS and all that and I'd run off all the maps and I had the course highlighted. I knew how long it was going to take and I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to drive up there and I'll meet you all up there. He looked at me and said, no, you're going to fly with the rest of us. And I said, you don't understand. He says, you're going to fly with us. And he was real nice. I mean, he wasn't mean or anything. And you know what I did? I flew with him. Never in a million years would I have ever thought that I would have got on an airplane. Again, I could drive by an airport and see an airplane coming in and just, <gasps> you know, and just, you get a, but I did it. I did something I thought I would never do because there was somebody else there to take me further than I thought I could ever go. And when we're faced with challenges in life, that's what we need to do. We're exercising ourselves to godliness, but if we feel insufficient in our strength, we need somebody help me. Carry me across the finish line. Help me to get where I need to be. And that's the essence of true Christian fellowship. Christian fellowship is, I mean, it's good to sit down and eat meals together and sing together and have enjoyable time together, but the true essence of Christian fellowship is that I'm weak and I need your help. Help me to bear my burden. And that's another reason to exercise ourselves to godliness is because there might be some day that a brother or a sister needs me to be strong for them. And I don't want to disappoint them. I don't want to disappoint them. So I want to exercise myself for God, to godliness for myself, but I also want to do it for those that I serve. And so when you look at your training for the Lord... Would this typify you? Or would this typify you? <laughs> now this guy, believe it or not, has an exercise video. <laughs> but it's not real intense. But you can look at that guy up there and all you see is intensity. Let that be our exercise. Let that be our training. That every day we rise up and we train for the most difficult day of our life. So when that challenge calls us, we're going to step up and say, I was made for this day.
I was made for this day. I appreciate your attention. If you're here this evening and you're not a Christian and you want to run the race, as James talked about this morning, you need to enter that race through obedience to the gospel. And it's not an easy race, but it's a race whose prize is worth everything. Is worth everything. That God has called us for this space and time that we live in now to give our all to Him so that whenever we stand before the Lord in judgment, He's going to give us our, His all for eternity. And you want to obey the gospel through baptism. This congregation here would be glad to help you. Or if you are a Christian, and maybe your faith is not an intense faith. Maybe you have taken your faith for granted. Maybe it's not been intentional. Maybe it's not personal. Maybe you are in that challenging time and you just think, I can't go on anymore. There is a building full of people here that want to grab hold of you and carry you through. And it's just not smart to walk away from such loving and godly and faithful people. So if we can help you, we'd ask you to come up, either one of either class, and have a seat on the front as we stand and sing. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. To receive new sermons, subscribe to our iTunes podcast, and check our website at www.almachurchofchrist.com and like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening and may God bless you.